All right. So I am going to read the section that I'm going to teach, and then I'll go into it. So <clears throat> Hosea 10, starting in verse 1, Israel empties his vine, he brings forth fruit for himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. According to the bounty of his land, they have embellished his sacred pillars. Their heart is divided. Now they are held guilty. He will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. For now they say, we have no king, because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Thus judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria fear because the calf of Beth-Avon, for its people mourn for it and its priests shriek for it because its glory has departed from it. The idol also shall be carried to Assyria as a present for King Jerob. Um, Ephraim shall receive shame and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. As for Samaria, her king is cut off like a twig on the water. Also the high places of Avon, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle shall grow on their altars. They shall say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. O Israel, you have sinned from the days of Gibeah. <clears throat> there they stood. The battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity um, did not overtake them. When it is my desire, I will chasten them. Peoples shall be gathered against them when I bind them for their two transgressions. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh grain. But I harnessed her fair neck. I will make Ephraim pull a plow. Judah shall plow. Jacob shall break his clods. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow grounds. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies. Because you trusted in your own ways and the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore, tumult shall rise among your people, and all your fortresses shall be plundered. As Shalman plundered Beth Arbel in the day of battle, a mother dashed in pieces upon her child. Thus it shall be done to you, O Bethel, because of your great wickedness. At dawn, the king of Israel shall be cut off utterly. <clears throat> I uh, got asked yesterday to fill in, and I, you know, like anybody who gets asked that question in a pinch, you just seek the Lord of like, where am I going to teach? So, I, uh, you know, just praying about, yeah, that, what the Lord wanted. And uh, I, when I was in Bible college back in 2012, I, uh, I was dealing with my own issues in the middle of Bible college. As most of the students did, they have, we all had issues to work out of ourselves to be closer to the Lord. And um, I was just seeking the Lord of like, Lord, I don't, I was unhappy with the circumstance that was happening in Bible college and to the point where I like was kind of get discouraged with being there. <clears throat> and it was because of my selfishness. Certain things weren't working out how I wanted, not necessarily how the Lord wanted. So I was being selfish. 
And I just sought the Lord about like, how am I, what should I do differently? Why am I in the circumstance? And I don't know what happened. Um, but I came back into my, my, my room one afternoon and there was like a, a little tiny post-it sticking out of my Bible. And, um, I didn't know how it got, I didn't put it there. So I opened it up and there was this message that was written that said, um, like, this is for you. And, uh, it was Hosea 10. And it, it was like, this was exactly what I needed to hear in my life that I, and we'll go and get into why, but uh, I needed to have this spoken to me. And when I was praying last night, I don't know, for whatever reason, this just came rushing into my head. Um, and then in praying about it and going through it, there's a lot of stuff here that is important for I mean, everybody always, but where our country's at and uh, whatnot, the difficulties that are persisting, again, in a global scale and in a heavy way is, uh, I don't know, this is where I was led to. So anyways, with that being said, we'll get into it. <clears throat> so, it says, Israel empties his vine, he brings forth fruit for himself. God, um... God had blessed Israel with a lot, with, you know, material possessions. He had, he had, with abundance. Um, however, instead of using it for God's glory, they ended up using it for their own wicked desires. That um, later says that according to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. The altars is not are not the altars for God. Those aren't the righteous proper altars. Those are altars to pagan gods that Israel had set up. So with the, the bounty that God had given to them, they, they put that towards their own selfish, evil, pagan desires. So Paul warns against that, uh, warns us against this in, in Galatians 5.13 says, for you, brethren, have called to liberty, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Um, a lot of times as Christians, we use the liberty that God has granted or the, the, the bounty that God has given to us, and we maybe put it towards something that is wrong or completely sinful. Um, I, uh, I think the... I mean, it's happened forever. Obviously, the Galatians had to be corrected with it too, but it's such an easy thing for Christians to do. It's, it's so persistent in our culture in the West. I won't just say America. It's not just America. It's, it's the Western world. That <clears throat> I remember I was, I mean, it's, it happens everywhere. When I was down south, I, I was in Tennessee for a couple months with my brother lived down there, and everybody who was in church down there, just when they'd go home, all their houses down when they were massive. They're just huge, massive, big southern country, beautiful homes. And like everybody always just like, you know, we're so blessed. I'm just like, yeah. But I also would like struggle in that. I'd be like, and it's not just with them, it's me too. Like I sometimes, you know, I'm so blessed. But I wonder if there's times where we might say that where it's the things we have are actually just our own selfish pursuits that we've gotten. It's not necessarily God. I mean, all of the disciples were blessed men, but they had nothing. So 
does God really just want us to have a bunch of stuff and that's we can just write it off as, yeah, we're blessed? Maybe. Maybe God wants some people to have that stuff, but maybe some Christians who have certain things or are in certain positions are there because maybe God has given you a blessing or God has given to you bountifully, and instead of giving it back to the Lord, you took it and then ran with it in a different direction, like these people did, like Israel did, like the Galatians were doing. And and again, liberty, it kind of is a different, it's not necessarily material, but it's, it can be freedom. It can be the freedom we have in this country. Are we using that, well, freedom now, <laughs> but are we using that or have we been using that in a way that is pursuing God's desire for us personally, for his agenda, for what he wants to have happen. Now, obviously, God's plan is going to happen regardless of our mingling, but sometimes God might give us, again, the liberty to, hey, you can be a part of this. But instead of using the liberty we might have been given by the Lord to seek and pursue what he wants, we go and pursue our own stuff in the liberty that we have. And it's so true. Because the liberty we've been granted in this country affords us the right, if we want to, to pursue Jesus to no end. We can, can, we can do, consume our whole life with Jesus if we want to because we have the freedom. But a lot of people don't do that. We use the freedom we have to do all sorts of stuff that have nothing to do with God, and a lot of times are probably wicked. I know I do. There's things I do in my life that, you know, when I really think about it, it's like, what am I doing? Like, what, is, what purpose is this truly serving eternally? Nothing. It's literally a waste of time. Not only is it sometimes a waste of time, sometimes it's, it's actually sinful and it's, it's wicked. We need to be, to be mindful of how we are spending our time, how we are using the things, time, money, energy, whatever, that God has given us for the, we can return it back to the Lord, give it back to the Lord, instead of using it selfishly. So after um, what I just finished, it says, according to the bounty of his land, they have embellished his sacred pillars. Their heart is divided. Now they are held guilty. So because Israel had has received these blessings, it's like they're more respond. It's like a, it's even a heightened sense of responsibility to make sure that that's going to the Lord. Like if you get something, if you if you get go out and pursue and work on your own like merit and earn something or get something, you still should you know use it for the Lord. But in in a way, you could say, you know, it's there's justification, I guess, to do what whatever you know what you're gonna do with it. If the Lord like sometimes there's things that we receive in life that there's no other way we received it. Like it's undeniable. Like this is just from the Lord. Like, nothing I did created the circumstance or gave me the resources or whatever that I might have. It's the Lord. In that circumstance, more than the other circumstances, you really should make sure that, that what the Lord just gave to you, you're putting back towards the kingdom of God, to the Lord. And that's what happened here. So there, it says their heart is divided, now they're held guilty. So they're more responsible than ever to use it wisely. Because they used the bounty in wicked ways, it says God will break down their altars to pagan gods and ruin their sacred pillars made into idols. And in the end, if, if whatever we're pursuing is essentially that, 
is pagan altars and pillars to false gods, which obviously in our day might not be some statue of some actual god we think of, but it's obviously whatever takes the place or the throne that Jesus should rightfully be sitting on in our life. If we have any part of that in our life, if there's something that might be some sort taking even a corner of the seat of the throne that God should have all of in our life, and that doesn't change if we don't tear that down in our own life with the Lord's help, God will dash it to pieces in your life. And there's no telling of what end that might be. A lot of times in the Bible that led to the person's death or just a lot of miserable downfall. I mean, I'm sure we've all known somebody, possibly ourselves, who got into a situation where we were pursuing something other than Jesus when we should have been in our Christianity pursuing Christ. And the Lord just flips your life upside down. And in the moment, it's real not fun. Whatever that might be, who knows? Your life could go in in total shambles, which might be exactly what you need to get back on track. But in the moment, you might think, wow, I really should have just, you know, in humility repented before any of this happened. And that's what we see here. So getting into that statement, their heart is divided. It's just interesting, the, just going into the word divided there, um, specifically in the use here. It, the original form is halak, H-A-L-A-Q. Um, and there's three like kind of different meanings that all kind of relate to one another. Um, the first being divided, what it says divided, like two different things. The, the, and the references that you can look up to support that, I'm just going to give some references here to support each of the uses and where you can find them. The first for specifically divided, you can see in Genesis 14.15 and Genesis 49.7. And that's, those verses are literally talking about a division of two people or two like mindsets. The next is smooth, not smooth skin, but like smooth, like somebody who's very crafty, like a smooth person. Um, and you can see the examples of that, Genesis 27.11, Psalm 55.21, or the last is flattering, um, Psalm 5.9, and uh, also Psalm 36.2. So there's a quote here from... David Guzik that says, so it may be accurate to translate this phrase as their heart is divided, but it might also be that God wants to say that Ephraim has a smooth and flattering, insincere heart. Um, because what's happening here is, is Israel is kind of externally seemingly like kind of professing sort of that they want the Lord to restore them. We want the Lord's help. But in reality, they're worshiping false gods. They're doing two different things, and we do that all the time. Who here has ever been in your Christian walk professing Christianity in public or in church and you're like, yeah, I'm great. And then in your own life, it's like you're really doing something entirely different. Nobody else knows. It's something you might be hiding in your own heart, but it's real bad. It's not the Lord. It's a false pillar. It's their to idols. You do the same thing. To further that idea, so the idea of Israel's smooth or insincere heart um, we see earlier in the book of Hosea, demonstrated in Hosea's wife. This whole book is about this. Hosea's wife was a prostitute that God had to marry exactly to show him what God himself was dealing with with the nation of Israel. 
He had a wife that was incredibly unfaithful, and it was just devastating to Hosea. And God was like, yeah, see, this is what I'm dealing with. And we're doing the same, we do the same thing to God in our own heart. We are that prostitute towards God whenever we do anything to not pursue God with our whole heart. We're unfaithful to God. You know, you read that story, and you're like, man, that's awful. Like, man, have, Hosea's situation is rough. It's terrible. God had to marry a prostitute full knowing what that situation is going to entail. And you read that, you're like, man, that's awful. And then, like, you know, having the realization of, like, I am Gomer. I am her. Doing that to God whenever I abuse the grace I've been given, whenever I pursue something that isn't Christ, I'm prostituting myself out to something else that isn't worthy of any attention at all. I'm going to quote by the British theologian um, Adam Clark here. He says, Israel has had this divided, insincere um, heart and expressed it on the altars of idolatry. It says, now he will break down their altars. Now God will do in judgment what they should have done in contrition, break down their altars and spoil their images. And that's so true. That, that's such a great statement that he makes there. God will end up doing in judgment what we should have done in contrition. God's giving them an opportunity. Hey, turn away from this junk. Destroy these altars and these pillars and get rid of it in, in your nation, in our life. But you're not going to do it? Okay, I'm going to do it for you. And then I'm, you're going to. And it's not pretty how it's done, it's rough. What happened? I mean, Israel gets goes through several captivities, and it's it's rough. You know, we read it as a story, and it's like, yeah, they got taken into captivity. But like, you think about what that entails. I mean, a nation, a foreign nation, who is pagan itself, so they're inherently wicked, more so, and just naturally, they're not necessarily going to show mercy like a nation of God would. They're going to come in there and be brutal and savage. And on top of that, we see when Babylon comes that the nation of Israel is under siege for a while. Um, I mean, if you've ever studied ancient warfare, when a city is under siege, it's like brutally horrific reading what happens inside of the cities that are under siege. Because what that means is there's a military camp that wants to kill everybody outside your walls, so you all of your supplies are cut off. So if, they, if you're under siege for... Six months, which happens, or happened. I mean, you're you're starving inside. I mean, you read about what happened um, under when Babylon was holding them under siege, the things that they had to do, cannibalism. I mean, it's rough. You read about Israel's taken into captivity, and you're like, yeah, that's right. But you think of it, it's horrible, and that's what's coming again for them. Or that what we're reading here. And in a way, that's what comes for us. If we, if we submit to the other things we're inviting into our life that's, that's not Christ, you're opening yourself up for who knows what wickedness. Okay, moving on. Hosea 3. For now they say, we have no king because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? Um, you know, they say we have no king under... When Israel's under the judgment of the Lord, uh, foreign powers dominate Israel. That's just the pattern. 
Um, they don't have a need for a king in those circumstances. I mean, they're not their own nation anymore. They're, they're captive. Um, and then the idols they were honoring, those idols, those false idols that they built that they thought were something, are now nothing more than prizes and treasures for whatever invading army took over them. And they probably go into some, you know, conquest trophy locker for the, the you know, whatever king. It's nothing. It's a waste of time. When, when we, yeah. I'm just going to jump down. I mean, you, there's, it just goes through the different nations and what, what they dealt with in their loss of all this stuff. They're, you know, they're miserable. It's, and I, I mean, I guess it's worse. So the, the section here, it says, The inhabitants of Samaria fear because the calf of, the calf of Beth um, Aden, for its people mourn for it and its priests shriek for it, but it's uh, because its glory has departed from it. These people are losing their minds because of one of their false idols has been taken. And destroyed. I mean, there's there are people in this in the Western world, in the world nowadays, that claim Christianity. Now, I would say people who are like you could attribute this type of behavior to are weak Christians at best. But there's Christians that when something in their life gets disturbed because God might not want it in their life anymore, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it's distracting. It's a distraction. And God's like, no. I need that out. And maybe he purifies that in them. It's, man, some people lose it. And when we all can, if we're really used to something that we like in our life, and God's like, I need you to throw that away for, right? I need you to do that. Focus on me. Sometimes we can throw tantrums. I'm like, no, I want it. I want that. I mean, that's that statement there, and it's priests shriek for it. I mean, that just sounds so immature, and that we do that. We, are, we behave just like that. And then moving, moving down a bit, it says, The thorn and thistle shall grow on their altars. It's just showing that this desolation, when the Lord comes in or removes something, those old things that used to be all a part of your life, God just casts away and they're nothing more than just some rotting, decaying thing in your that, And we need to see it in the moment. When we're, when we're pursuing something in our life and we can stop for a moment and realize this isn't the Lord, Understand that it's nothing more than a worthless nothing that's going to rot at the end of the world. And just stop. And don't let it get to the point where God has to come in and wreck it in your life. Humility, contrition, fall to your knees and repent. Cast those idols and those things in your life that get in the way of the Lord outside before the Lord has to come in and deal with it for you. So much easier that way and how God wants it. Hosea 9. O Israel, you have sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they stood. The battle of Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. This is getting into some back history now of what, what took place earlier on. So Gibeah was already mentioned actually in Hosea 9, in Hosea 9, verse 9. Pretty much says the same thing, that you've sinned in Gibeah. Now, if you don't remember, what happened in Gibeah was what took place in Judges 19. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a whole chapter of the Bible. 
which I encourage you to go back and refresh your memory of the horror of what that was. But essentially, it's the story of the um, Levite and the concubine and their whole situation of finding refuge in the house in um, basically the tr- in the in Benjamin and the people in the town which are wicked are demanding that they the, the the man that they sought shelter with sends him back out because they are carnal and want to have their way with the male that was in that circumstance and instead the men inside beg that they would take the women instead and do whatever they want and essentially they send out the concubine everything wicked happens outside in the morning he finds her on the doorpost wrecked puts her on a horse brings her back to where he was living and then basically cuts her up and sends her her around i mean it's it's a horrible situation that took place this is the sin that's being referred to of in gibeah when he says you have sinned from the days of gibeah that is the sin being mentioned it's horrific what was taking place and what was that was normal the whole there was the whole area that was in on that. They don't. They don't understand how far gone they are at all. And that's again, you just go back and forth to how did Israel deal with it, and then how are we like that now? So many Christians look at look at a Christian who's backsliding a bit and is doing things like this who've allowed a thing into their life that's wrong and they don't correct it and it's kind of whatever secret and and they just keep going and in their head they're we're fine i'm fine i'm still a christian but they've got this festering rotting thing in their life that's destroying them it's so dangerous if anybody in this room whoever's here whoever's dealing with a circumstance in your life that is wrong it's sinful today in contrition, destroy that. Get rid of it in your life. Seek the Lord for help and get rid of it. Because if you don't, it's going to destroy you. Seek the Lord and his help in this in this situation. And after that section of Gibeah, it says, When it is my desire, I will chasten them. Because it mentions the, the battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. When it is my desire, I will chasten them. Basically, they had there was a battle in Gibeah, and they didn't lose. It's like, okay, well, if they're wicked, why did they not lose? Because I, it, when it is my desire, I will chasten them. That's the Lord speaking. And that's it. And that's the thing that's dangerous. You know, as a Christian, you might get away with whatever you're doing with for a while, so you think, I'm fine. God isn't dealing with it yet. Okay, well, fine. God, it's not his desire yet. doesn't mean you're fine. God will deal with whatever we're dealing with in his own time. Just because nothing's happening yet doesn't mean that God's okay with what you're doing. It might mean that God's giving you time to repent on your own before he has to come in and punch your life. So now after that, after all that garbage that Israel is, we get to the the solution, the the call of God on the nation of Israel and in each one of our lives. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord 
till he comes and rains righteousness on you. There is so much here. In that, this is one of hands down one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Now, when I when I went back to my dorm room and found that note in my Bible, this specifically was the verse that was like highlighted. But it he like the whole the whole thing what he said this is for you Hosea 10. But this verse he had highlighted in my Bible for me, and still don't know who it was. I have a suspicion of who I think it was, but it doesn't matter. But anyways, man, that verse punched me so hard then because it's such a simple command, and it's, the, it's everything. So, so for your self-righteousness, well, how do you do that? Well, you do, you do that by breaking up your fallow ground. What is that? Well, it's, it's time to seek the Lord. Our seeking of the Lord is how you break up your fallow ground. And in breaking up your fallow ground, you are now sowing for yourself righteousness. And then how long do we do it? Until he comes and rains righteousness on you. Everything is written out right there of how we need to do it, when we need to do it, and what it's going to get us. And the thing is, it's kind of simple. I mean, it's right there, it's, but it, you actually have, we have to do it. It's on us. We have to actually do that. I mean... And, and this is the prayer we need for other people. Now, this is where it can get in. This is, gets into gospel sharing. Have uh, you ever tried to share the gospel with people, whether it's in passing by or maybe family or people you know, and there's just nothing sticking? You're like, what is wrong? Nothing I'm saying is making any progress. It's because they have fallow ground. And you can't sow seed in fallow ground. It, I mean, it's similar imaging as actually in in the parable of the seed sower, where they're walking, the hard ground, the seed that falls by the wayside, it's coming to nothing. The birds are eating it before anything can happen because the ground is packed down. I mean, anybody knows this if you have a garden. If the ground is packed down where you walk and seed falls, probably going to be nothing. It's the same thing with our with people's hearts, with our own heart. If we have fallow ground, nothing's going nothing's getting in there. You have to break up that ground. It's tilling, you know, basic gardening. But that needs to happen spiritually in our lives and other people's lives. If you want to share in people's life, if there's somebody on your heart that you're like, man, I really, I want them to get it. Well, pray, pray for them that the Lord would start to break up that fallow ground in their life. Pray for that. And, you know, share, pray and share. Eventually, that fallow ground is going to be loose that when you say something, that seed is going to be planted. And the seed might be planted in a time when somebody might tell you off because there's, <laughs> their ground might be broken up now. But the seed still needs to take root. So the seed might now get in there. And they might be like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And then later on, they'll be like, hey, something you said to me, bloody blah, blah, now, hey, look at that. They're on their way. It's great. So just because you're sharing with somebody and they're like, nope, don't care, don't care, don't care, don't stop. Pray for them and share. Pray for them and share. Because hopefully at some point in the Lord's timing and his will, the message will be there. Um, and again, in our own lives. Yeah, it, we. It's such an important verse. This is such an important verse. And again, and, the, and then the other thing is again, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Sometimes Christians will do this whole thing. They'll start doing it. You know, we might start doing it in your own life. You're like, man, I'm really reading my Bible every day. I'm praying. I'm getting back. I'm torn down my. I'm really my idols. I'm getting back into where I know I should be. But 
you don't see any, like, you're not feeling any change. You're not, nothing seems to happen. Don't stop. Some people get discouraged, and they're like, oh, whatever. I guess it's, I guess it's not, you know. No, come on. Don't stop until he comes and rains righteousness on you. Because maybe he doesn't, maybe he wants you to keep going. He wants to see, keep going. I'm going, I'm going to be there. For, he's right beside you anyways. But he wants to see that devotion, that dedication. It's not an easy, it's not easy. There's work, you know. Anybody who still has the notion of Christianity that is the classic evangelism line of, you know, you got saved and you're, that's it, you're done. Nope. Yeah, I mean, you were saved, but it's not just you can't sit back and coast. You got there's still, it's a journey. Fight the fight, run the race. You don't stand still in a race. Run. You have to put forth effort in our Christian journey to grow. And it's interesting. I like how it's laid out in Hosea. Because he gives them the plan. This is what you need to do. There's an opportunity. But the, the, the chapter ends actually kind of gloomy. And it, it's a powerful warning to us. You have plowed wickedness. So he's saying you need to do this. You know, so break up your fallow ground. Sow righteousness, essentially. But there's kind of a big but there saying, but you've plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You've eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way. And right there, I mean, that's everything. Why do any of us ever get into a position where we are departing from the Lord in our own life? Because we're following our own way. That, that's simple. Never listen to yourself over God. Ever. Ever, ever. You're not that smart. We're not that, we don't know anything. We're, without the Lord, we're, we're worthless. Seek the Lord. Don't trust in your own way. Anyways, because you've trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore, tumult shall arise among your people, and all your fortresses shall be plundered as Shalman plundered Beth Arbel in the day of battle, a mother dashed in pieces upon her child or her children. And that's really gruesome imaging. And that's the thing. When the Lord allows our sin and a nation's sin to catch up with him. He doesn't necessarily hold back. Any. He's been holding back. And when he finally is like, okay, you've, unfortunately you've chosen what you want. Sometimes the result is really brutal. You know, and people read this in the Bible and they're like, wow, that's really harsh. Well, yeah. God allows harsh things to happen when you pursue it. And then it ends by saying, At dawn, the king of Israel shall be cut off utterly. That's it. If we plunder or plow wickedness, reap iniquity, eat the fruit of lies, trust in ourselves, it's going to end by the king of Israel, you know, imaging with modern, you know, us. You could say, I am, you know, I am that, I'm choosing my own fate. I'm the in control of who I am. I mean, should be God. The king shall be cut off utterly. If we pursue these things and don't ever sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, if we don't do that and we still do the other stuff, it's going to end in actual death, an actual separation from God. Not just, you know, your life is turned upside down. 
which is sometimes a bummer, but it's you're gonna you will, it will you will die someday in your sin. And that's the, that's the other classic. And I, I know this is usually more of like a, a non-believer statement, but like if you're you know people who are maybe considering pursuing the Lord or repentance, like I, I don't need to do it now. I can do it some other day. I, I have plenty of time left. <laughs> Famous last words of a lot of people. Plenty of time left. Whoops, no, you don't. We we can't we don't know what's gonna happen in our future. As Christians, we don't know what's gonna happen in our future. And if we are in a position of backsliding or of possible even near apostasy, we're that far gone. And you know in your head, I was th- I was that person. I grew up in a Christian home, very Christian. I my first half of high school, I was all about the Lord and my faith. And I started hanging out with people that I cared about more than God's opinion. And I started doing things that compromised my faith slowly and to the point where I was just like, whatever. I don't, who, you know, in the back of my head, I knew, like I knew, I didn't ever doubt that God or Jesus was real, that he died for my sins, any of that. No, I had no doubt about that, but I didn't care. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, but I want to do what I want to do. Um... And I'm so glad that I had a situation in the military when I was in the army of can't explain it, just spiritual circumstance that like I couldn't ignore, and it brought me literally in an emotional mess back to the Lord. And I was like, man, I've been an idiot for like three and a half years, and um, I'm so glad that happened. I'm so glad because like I see some other people that I grew up with that were Christian seeming that. I walked a very similar path of, and they are really gone. No interest at all. I mean, some people, some of them are atheists. Just, man, I'm really glad that I didn't, I'm really glad that the Lord flipped my life upside down. It got to that point. But as Christians, we need to not listen to ourselves. Pursue the Lord. And and make that, just that, Hosea 10:12. Go with that verse of and, and apply it to your life. Remember it. Make it a. <laughs> it's my favorite verse. I mean, I'm. I don't really care if it's yours. Make it one of your favorite verses. It's such an applicable verse for every human being. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord, till He comes and rains righteousness on you. Um. I want to pray. And uh. Yeah. Oh Lord, I I do pray that in these times that we're in, there's a lot to focus on, Lord, that um, that isn't you, and that might seem, and it's not necessarily wrong, but if we allow it to take our focus entirely, we are now giving our attention to something that isn't worthy of it. I pray, Lord, that you would help all of us here, whether we're maybe a little distracted or not at all, to remain focused, to start being focused, whatever we need, on you solely, that we would humble ourselves and in a in a place of contrition, Lord, we would be the ones to willingly <laughs> lay waste to the, the pillars and the altars that we've built 
in our own life. Maybe something that's been there since the very beginning of our walk. That's always been there as a stumbling block. Lord, I pray that you'd help us dash those to pieces right now. I pray that it wouldn't be something that we let go to the point where where it, it continues to grow and grow and grow and, and trip people up and, and stumble and, and possibly cause someone here to, who's battling with something, who isn't seeking you properly about it to, to allow it to destroy them to the point of, of eternal separation from you, Lord. I pray that we would all deal with, with your leading and, and our faith in you the things we have in our life that shouldn't be there. Help us to apply Hosea 10.12 to our lives right now. It's time right now to seek the Lord. I pray that we all would with all of our hearts more passionately and more earnestly than we ever have. And that we would do it until, until you come and rain righteousness on us, Lord. Which essentially you could say is until you return. So I pray that we would have that mindset until you come back, Lord, that we wouldn't allow distraction into our life. Go with us today and go before us. Help us to listen to your voice in our life and to do what you set before us and that we would be obedient to your will. We love you. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.